Spectral Evidence, Episode 4, In Absentia. I'm coming back to your place. Oh, good. Somebody needs to watch Jules. I'm out tonight. Doing what? A party, I guess. Okay. You don't ever go to parties. It's not exciting or anything. No, it's fine. I'll watch Jules. I don't think Molly wants me here. What? What did you do? Nothing yet. Kit? Kit. Oh my god. Super mature. You have definitely heard my voice a couple of times before if you're following this chronologically, and I I do suggest you follow our stories in order or else it's not going to make a lot of sense. It still doesn't make much sense to me, even now, so the added confusion I imagine would be unhelpful. My point being, I don't think I need to introduce myself anymore. Sorry if I seem a little rushed. I'm feeling a little high-strung. More than a little... I thought I might have been able to postpone talking about this bit specifically, but I realize now I was pretty off on timing and the others are tired of waiting. All of this just happened so much faster than I remember. I started telling all of this just under a month ago. I mean, we could have done it faster, but we've been pretty busy. And to be honest, it's hard to recall everything with what I know now. Emotionally. I know that's probably not a good reason to be delaying, but still. You've been listening to what happened over the course of, what, three days? 72 hours? That's really just how long it took for everything to start crumbling. Never mind the infrastructure wasn't sound in the first place. Anyway, we left off with Kit hanging up on me, I think. I was really upset, so I stayed home and waited. I knew she wouldn't show up before I left, but it still made me so mad. It was just Jules, me, and, uh, my mom. She was busy, and I was upset. She knew that when I was upset, I didn't like to talk, and I knew that when she was busy, she didn't like to listen. So when I passed her in the hallway, we just didn't talk. I think I wasn't really mad about the fact that Kit hadn't been home. It was just that nobody seemed to care how long he'd been gone. Even though Jules and his friends were avoiding me somewhat, I could tell that they weren't half as worried as I was when I asked if they knew where he was. It made me feel just like I did the first time people went missing. Everybody loves studying the aftermath of something terrible, but when it's happening, they always look at the people like me worried sick and they think we're overreacting. But I know firsthand what it's like to lose someone to apathy. So, instead of worrying, I prepped a bag for the plans I very nearly skipped. Jules, I'm going out. Okay. Did Mom say you could? I don't need to ask anymore, but she said yes. Okay. Where? And is Kit coming back? Yes. He's going to be your babysitter for the next day or so. Mom's already left, hasn't she? Yeah. Tea party again? Nope. Just a friend's place. She said she wasn't feeling well, though, so I don't know how long that's going to last. Between you and me? I think it's whatever's going on at the parties that's making her sick. She's always worse after coming back, so maybe it's good she's taking a break. So you think she's been, like, drinking, maybe? I don't know. 
Probably not. Yeah, it doesn't sound like her. Are you going to be fine until Kit gets home? I'll be fine. I'm usually on my own at the house anyway. I guess so. Are you going to be weird about all this forever? It's been less than a week. I know, but it's different for me too. You don't have to treat me like a stranger. I didn't change or anything. It's just like when Alice started using her back brace or when I dyed my hair. It doesn't change me. Well, yeah, but no, it's not the same. Alice was just born like that. It wasn't because of magic. And you did that on your own! I know, but I just mean that you'll get used to it. How am I supposed to get used to it, knowing why it got there? It changes so much stuff. Like what? I don't know. What's mom gonna say when she sees? I don't know how I'm gonna explain it. I can just say it's weird makeup or something. You know she never questions that sort of thing. Yeah, but forever? Scars don't go away. I'll have a better excuse figured out by then. You always say you hate when people lie to you. What's that gotta do with my scar? I don't know. Just... You're lying too. Sometimes lying can be for the better. Is it better for mom to know I could have gotten hurt, or that it's just something new I'm trying? But Kit lies for the better. No, she doesn't. He lies to protect himself, I guess. He lies when it makes things better for him. Isn't that what you're doing now? I mean, no. Maybe- I, I really gotta go, Jules. I'm gonna be late. Sure. Whatever. Text me when Kit gets here, okay? So I know you're not home alone. You got it. Great. Lovely. Raining again. I'll be back later. The walk was miserable. Frankly, there are little things worse than going for an evening stroll in the cold, pouring rain, especially to some event I didn't honestly want to go to. And to be honest, if it weren't for Kit's influence, I wouldn't have talked to anyone willingly, let alone attend events with people I don't know. I'm sure I've said this at some point before, but I really don't like being the center of attention. School is a fantastic excuse to not talk to anyone, because if you alienate yourself enough socially and focus really hard on the subjects you're good at, you get a free pass into the quiet realm of academia. I've been to my fair share of meetings and conferences for youth interested in working for the media, but I've never been a speaker. I'm usually just in the audience. For an area of expertise that is largely just a lot of people talking about everything they're thinking and seeing, from personal philosophy to daily events to reports on more exact sciences, it is a very solitary path to walk. There's something about that I enjoy. I enjoy talking to people through a filter, whether that be a screen or a tape or a disc, like to you. To an extent, I'm sure I would have enjoyed working in some sort of radio station quite a lot, if that weren't totally obsolete by now. I looked into meteorology once when I was searching for jobs related to journalism. I did push for these stories to be told through some similar sort of broadcast, but clearly that hasn't happened because, well, you're not listening through that medium, are you? Maybe, actually. <laughs> Maybe I finally convinced them to ditch the CD plan. But the others insisted that being able to watch these over and over was important to catch things the listener might have missed originally. But all of this to say, I didn't like parties either. I still don't. The unspoken etiquette, what I'm supposed to bring with me, and the dress code especially, are all things I have to just guess at. If there's one thing that eased my nerves that night, it was the sight of Miss April on the front porch, 
dressed in what was maybe the worst combination of fabrics I've ever seen, artistically speaking. It looked very comfortable, but cohesive was a different story. Regardless, I was very relieved to be there. Darling, you're soaked head to toe. Why didn't you just ask me to pick you up? Oh, you didn't give me your number. It should be on the invitation. Is it? I didn't even know you were coming. Oh, it is. I'm sorry, I was kind of distracted. You must be. <laughs> Otherwise, you would have realized you were late. Am I really? Oh, God, I'm so out of sorts today. I'm sorry. How late am I? Is everyone here already? Well, we could just check the list inside. I've forgotten who's shown up already anyways. Uh, that would be great. Oh, do you want me to take off my shoes? I usually leave them at the door, and I feel kind of bad walking in fresh out of the rain. Oh, don't worry. We figured somebody would come soaked. I have clothes for you. Lovely. Great. Yes. Uh, thank you, Miss April. My pleasure, dear. I always come prepared. Hmm. Do you think there needs to be more fanfare? I have no idea where to put the candles. I meant to place them on the table, but with the flowers... They look lovely, Benjamin. Yeah, agreed. No need to worry, Benny. We have no one to impress. But we have newcomers. Just one. Has someone already set up the phonograph? Yes, Mary. You set it up about an hour ago. Have I? Yes. And the TV is still on. Would you like me to turn it off? No, thank you. No worries, then. I won't touch it. Thank you. And stop fussing over all the little details. Just focus on what we rehearsed. Of course. Just sneak around the corner and change the guest room. Yes, there. I've left some clothes in the bed for you. Okay. These aren't horrible, just awfully floral, but uh, no sleeves. What the hell? Is someone in there? Yes, guests are here. Uh, just one guest, actually. Sorry, uh, your radio in here, it just turned on. I didn't touch it or anything. I I'm sorry. Don't touch my television, please. Yes, ma'am, I, I didn't. I won't. Hello, you must be the newcomer, aren't you? Please, sit down. You'll have to excuse Mary. She's wary of having new people in her house that don't know the rules. Yeah, no, I understand. No problem. What are the rules, just in case? I don't let anyone touch my television. Yes. For starters, she's very particular about the kinds of food she eats, but otherwise, it's mostly about where we sit. There's a seat reserved for Charlie, and one just beside it. Oh, your baby. Yes, the baby. I figured if everyone continues to insist they lived here, I might as well leave a few seats for them, for when they come home. Right. It was not even five minutes into being there and I was already more than ready to leave. This, I thought, is exactly why I avoided these sorts of things, although the parties I was invited to were not anything like this. It was partially the age of the home with its peeling yellow wallpapers and the small boxy TVs and 
Partially the fact that everything that had happened since I entered just felt off somehow. It felt strangely as if I had walked into a time capsule in the shape of a house. There were cabinets with blue and white china and paintings of biblical scenes I didn't recognize, and pieces of the wall that were so old I could see the soft padding of the salmon insulation pouring out like some unwelcome pink fungus. It smelt of spilt wine and cigarettes, but neither were entirely bad. The most disturbing smell there came from Mary herself. As I walked past on my way to my seat, it was unmistakably baby powder. I didn't know why it was so deeply worrying to me then. I suppose there were many things there that were objectively odder, at least to me. There were glass miniatures atop each cabinet of baby angels with bows and arrows and stained glass abound in the form of lampshades and dangling decorations. It felt like Catholic purgatory, truthfully. I've never been in a church myself, but I think this is the closest you could get to making a house look like one. The disturbing bit was there was no feeling of God here. It felt like whatever Holy Spirit was supposed to be there had gone dormant a long time ago. There was no joy at all. All the once twinkling eyes of the little glass angels looking up to the ceiling to revere some higher power that was no longer here were so lifeless it made me unwell just looking at them. But the baby powder and the empty baby seat, those were the centerpieces of my unease. They reminded me too heavily of the people gone missing, years prior in then. It was a physical reminder to every sense that no matter how many people you could crowd in a room, there would always be a space you couldn't fill. A person you would miss. Mm -mm. Lovely! Is that all we have joining us today? Oh, uh, I think my mom was supposed to be here, actually. My brother said she was coming. You don't mean Miss Aylesworth. I do. She isn't here, no. She hasn't attended for a couple of weeks, actually. We keep sending out the invite, and we don't hear much word back. Huh, she said... Never mind. I'll just ask about it later. Right. It's nice to meet you. We usually just introduce newcomers, is that alright? You'll pick up who the rest of us are, and we sort of branch off to talk anyways. And how funny, that's just perfect. That's where your mom usually sits, you know? <sighs> Deja vu, I guess. Do you want me to move in case she stops by? Oh no. I don't suspect she'll be coming. Okay. Why don't you go first, young lady? Uh, sure. Um, my name is Birdie, and- No way! You? Uh, yes? Nothing, nothing. My bad. I've just heard about you. I had no idea. No idea... I mean this in the absolute nicest way possible. You look way cooler than I thought you did. Huh. Uh, thanks? I don't usually wear, um, this. Oh no, I totally get it. April had me wearing a way more unorganized ensemble maybe like three weeks ago, four? Either way. Silas. Right, my bad. You should probably continue your introduction. Uh, sure. What else do I say? Why exactly are you here? Because I was invited? Why were you invited? Oh, I, well, I met Valerie, and she told me I should be going, and that's about it. Well, I know a great conversation starter. I just finished up brewing some milk. Oh, no. And it's my favorite kind. 
I'm gonna save some for Valerie, but Bertie, dear, you're welcome to some. That's really okay. I am not that thirsty. Thanks. Nonsense. It's a tea party. That's what you're here for. Yes. I insist. Right. Thank you. <coughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really sorry. I, ca I can't drink this. I guess I just really don't like that certain kind. Well, that would be interesting, given as I may have just played a little fib on you. There is no certain kind. I'm sorry? That's just your standard supermarket 2% heated in the microwave, dear. Nothing special to it. Then why does it taste so... awful? That wasn't the kind you gave me last time, was it? Sure was. What have you eaten since you last came to my Valerie? I guess... a sandwich? But I wasn't really feeling hungry then, either. I just thought I was anxious. For a whole day? Well, yeah. It wasn't like I had a fever or anything. Oh, you're lucky. Certainly. When I was going through what you are now, I had chills and everything. It was awful. Dr. Valentino here can attest. Well, it's not easy taking care of this baby and managing a job. Two jobs, actually, plus playing nurse. What job do you have, Benny? Collecting dust? Let me know when that pays the bills. Oh, don't be rude. I'm more impaired than any of you. I have the right to rest as much as I please. I'm the one on three types of painkillers. Ahem. Sorry. I meant... outwardly? Never mind. Can someone please be straightforward with me about what... thing you're all going through? I thought this was supposed to be about... you know... magic... stuff. Th that's what Valerie told me. Well, to be frank, dear, there are some more unsavory side effects that come with uncovering a spring of magic in oneself. It seems yours is an aversion to... Well, no, sandwiches don't have anything in common. Um, most food, maybe? But what am I supposed to eat? That doesn't make any sense. Well, I suppose we'll just monitor it. Who knows? You might not need to. But that's impossible. You can't do that. With the lightest of tones, dear Robin. You're not yet one to speak of the nature of the impossible. I think we both know that it remains a mystery. Lightning strikes shouldn't affect appetite, they affect your respiratory system. Maybe. Usually just your nerves and muscles, it just doesn't make any sense. Lightning strikes? No way, dude. I totally thought that was a tattoo. Can I call you dude? I'd rather you not, if that's okay. Gotcha. I was convinced that was a tattoo. You're telling me it's real? I'm not old enough for tattoos anyway, unless it's family-related, but yes. Oh, I gave myself my first stick and poke when I was, like, 13. I would not have been surprised. I advised against it, but Silas does what she pleases. You bet. You knew each other when you were 13? Unfortunately. It's a super little town. What can I say? Benny came here in from two cities over. I regret it every day. Sure, that's why we have an apartment. Because you can't stand me. With two separate sides. You're both very different. Astute of you. Yes, we are. He likes to pretend like he can't stand being around me. He kicks me out when he's trying to study. What do you study for? You don't look like you're in college. I'm not, but I take a few courses at the community college in my old hometown. I would go further, but there's not many other places where you can study cryptozoology. Only in Oregon. 
If I weren't here, he'd be running off into the woods to study firsthand. I'm the old ball and chain. Oh, you know that's not true. Is too. Wait, you're Blair, aren't you? Yes, Benjamin Blair. How do you know me? There's only one nerd in town who bothers to keep me up on the life and times of cryptids that may or may not exist. Who? I'm talking about you. Oh, <laughs> yes. I just assumed you knew me from my father's work. Most people do. No. I honestly don't know very much about cryptozoology at all. Ah, that's a relief. I quite like it when people don't know me because of him. He passed a couple of years ago. I've been answering his fan mail since. I guess if I'm going to be transparent, now is the best time? I lost somebody too. Same time that you did. I'm very sorry. Don't be. Nothing you could have done. <laughs> You're right. I've always hated when people say that, you know? I always fall back on saying sorry because I'm not quite sure what else there is to say. But it always feels a bit hollow. Do you do that too? Oh, definitely. I've never found a good alternative. They always sound too forced or not sympathetic enough. It's so odd. When you've lost a father, even so young, it's almost expected. You get a very watered-down sort of empathy, like it wasn't as bad as it could have been. But then, of course, when you tell people it's a missing person situation, you are... dismissed? There's a laugh people get out of hearing that a man who devoted his life to uncovering mysteries became one himself. Yeah. If I had to count how many times I heard the phrase, I hope you find him, I'd... I'd be counting a lot. Did someone go missing for you too? No, not really. But when the initial search was out for his dad, it was a lot of knocking on doors and holding up old pictures. Yeah. You didn't happen to know Jinx Bellows, did you? Maybe. How old were they? Thirteen. Then no, I wouldn't have. She was in hospice for a good while anyways, it wouldn't have made much sense. Do you feel like sharing what happened? Yeah, it's... not much. We dated in middle school and they got pretty sick a month or so into freshman year. The doctors kept saying they thought it was a tumor, but they couldn't place or remove it, which was really odd to me. They'd been in the hospital for a couple of weeks, then in standard hospice. They made fantastic progress and the doctors were certain whatever awful thing had come over them had gone away, so they let them go home. Eventually, they were just gone. Not dead, just missing, like everybody else. Are you alright, Miss Mary? You look a little pale. Yes, I'm just fine. Perhaps a bit tired, though. You lot can feel free to disperse. I'm going to go watch my television. I'm feeling a little down this evening. Miss April, would you mind joining me? Sure. I'm sorry, Mary. I should have noticed. Would you like me to come with you? No. Right. Well, you let me know if you need anything. I certainly will. Oh, don't look so upset, then. I'll be out in just a minute. I won't leave you all too long. I'm sure Miss Birdie here will get very tired of your banter very quickly. 
Not much of a tea party, is it? <laughs> no, not really. Though I do my best to spruce things up, it's not the most lively. It's mostly just a place we go to air out all our grievances and grapes or whatever sometimes. So, group therapy? Sort of. We're supposed to talk about our experiences with magic and disappearances and all that junk. That's how the group started, anyways. We all filtered through Valerie or April in some other way or another, and it used to be a bigger group. Like, way bigger. And now we're down to, like, I guess just the five of us. In truth, our meetings have been getting gradually shorter as of late. It's hard to find new things to talk about each time when it's been years of uncertainty. It's usually just me, Mary, and Silas at the end of the hour before we head back home. Isn't that sort of good, though? It means you've talked through everything you need to, right? Hmm. It isn't that simple. I thought talking through everything was supposed to make it better. It does. It does. But it's been years of hiding and confusion and frustration. It's hard to pull yourself back up from that. Especially when the authorities keep refusing to firmly declare the case cold. But... Excuse me if I say something out of line. Don't you want him back? I feel that sometimes long-running investigations are better off not running at all. I love chasing myths and legends and studying up on everything I can regarding them, but not for my father. To each their own. If it helps me sleep better at night to accept that he's gone, then that's fine by me. If they find something, a lead or a clue... I'll do my best to be ready for when that happens. But in the meantime, he's dead and buried. You don't mean that you've already given up. I wouldn't say I've given up. I think I've just done my best to move on. Life is full of unfortunate things that happen to very fortunate people. I believe myself to be fortunate. I have a lovely partner. And a house. And I'm certainly less impaired than Miss Garfield. But it's not fair. It'll never be fair. But I've heard enough mysteries to last me a lifetime. I think it's time I put my own to rest. What does it all mean? Why doesn't that anxious feeling ever go away? What does magic have to do with any of this? How are we supposed to stop what's happening? It, it doesn't... Make any sense? Yeah. I don't know. I really wish I did. If there's anything I've learned in all my years of research that holds value beyond my place of work, it's that a lot of things simply don't make sense. You have to make them make sense, with theories and personal findings, etc. You'll never know what you don't discover. But grief is a very personal journey. It's not one you can rush. I don't want to rush it. I just don't want to grieve at all. You already are. Man. At the risk of sounding like an estranged aunt, when you get older, kiddo, there will be a lot of times that you go through some shit that either doesn't feel fair or you don't understand. And 90% of the time, you're totally right. Like, just... About how much they suck. Taxes suck. 
Separating from your friends sucks. Navigating everything you thought you had a grasp on sucks. Because you're usually wrong. And that doesn't feel fair. And you're totally right. It isn't. But there will be a lot of people like us too. Who have dealt with some seriously messed up stuff. Our situations are different. But to an extent, we understand. It just feels like... Like, nobody's ever going to fully understand. They always say they do, but there's so much that they won't get. Everybody thinks I'm just upset about the idea that I'm never going to be able to like anybody again, or something. And I suppose that feels different too, but it's not really that. I wasn't even using the same name when Jinx went missing. I look totally different. I cut my hair to start over. I got these piercings just to change something, to separate myself from the past, I guess. And because I like them. I feel like if they came back, we wouldn't have anything in common anymore. I don't know if they would even like who I've become. Everything I do, everything I am, reminds me of them. It's things that seem so insignificant to everyone else but mean everything to me. I hate when it rains, especially. We used to hang out on rainy days in our little treehouse in the backyard. I don't like it as much as I used to. I don't like anything as much as I used to. It's like everything in my identity has changed. I wanted that a couple of years ago, but not anymore. I think... I think now I just wish I could recognize what the hell myself is supposed to be. I won't pretend to know what that's like. My father knew me for my whole life, and I feel fairly secure in my identity at this stage in my life. But I know what it's like to feel completely and utterly alone. There are little gaps for me too. There's always one less signature on my birthday cards I get from my parents. I still use the same old car my dad drove back in the 70s. When I passed the river we used to go combing in for shells and rocks. I remember him too. I still find myself taking home the ones I think he would like. I don't find comfort in that sort of thing either. I hate when I sign off letters with stars like they used to or realizing I still use a phrase they did. It just makes me sad. Like I'm this half-baked museum exhibit of what happened instead of a person. You'll find a balance to it all. And I mean it. It just takes some time. But until then, I'm stuck with this dumb scar. Eh, well, that might be a little more permanent by the looks of it. But... You've got us when you need to talk. It's sort of our unspoken policy to keep whatever we say here confidential. But you're more than welcome to stop by. We don't get visitors very often. Unfortunately. He's always kind of sad about it. We have to keep it so clean for nothing. Maybe I will. I should really be going soon. I'm kind of worried about my mom. And my brother. I left him with my friend Kid and he's just... Well, he's not a bad babysitter, he's just a little... A little impulsive? Do you know him? Does Molly just not talk about me anymore? God, like, <laughs> I gotta get on him about that. Knucklehead, we talked earlier. I mean, I knew you knew each other, sort of, but not well. Well, I'll work on it. He's a kid, so are you, and you're definitely a little less outwardly spontaneous? Anyways, don't sweat it. You need a ride home? No, I think I'm okay. It's not far. 
if you say so. Hold on. Benny, you got your business card? Yes, I do. Why? Hand one off to Bertie. Here, our number's on this thing. Give us a call if you ever need us to pick you up. And don't hesitate, we're not busy. You're not usually busy. I might be. But he can pick you up if I'm out. Worse come to worse. Thanks. Oh, God. I'm tired from talking. I haven't done that in a long time. Get used to it. I'm nosy. Asking follow-up questions and giving advice is my field of expertise. Tell your mother I said hi, okay? And give her these flowers. I I meant to give her some last time she was over. Sure. I really have to figure out where she's going. She's never sneaky or secretive like this. She might be busy. Just don't stress over it too hard. Right. I'll go grab my things. Thanks again. Anytime. How long do you think she'll make us keep this up? Uh, not long. Not long at all. Don't you think she'll figure it out sooner or later? Nah. Do you need help grabbing your things? We should probably head out, too. Yes, please. This cast makes it impossible to do just about anything. Well, it was a pretty nasty injury. Come on. Miss April? Um, Mary? Are you in here? I I just wanted to say goodnight. Silas and Benjamin have already left and... Oh, do you need help switching the channel? I, I know how to get the signal working again. No! Miss April? Don't touch my television. It's just the way it should be. Right. Uh, Sorry. Goodbye. I'll I'll see you later, Miss April. What the hell was that? Not tonight, for God's sake. I'm stressed as it is. Go find someone else to stalk or something. I'm not anybody's spectacle. I've really got to find somebody else to ask for help. This is starting to get very disappointing. And a little sad. About 60 seconds after I left, it started to pour. Again. This would, unfortunately, be much more common of an occurrence than I expected it to be. Eventually, I'd start wearing clothes much more suited for unpredictable weather. I definitely did not miss that little yellowing house. I think one of the smarter things I've done is walking away exactly when I did then, because the baby powder smell was starting to make me feel more sick than when I'd arrived. I think, though, all things considered, it was one of the strangest events I've ever attended. I left with lots of unanswered questions, certainly, but there were some things that seemed inexplicable in the days prior that seemed so simple to parse after meeting other people who had been through the same. I can't say every piece of advice I was given then has held up today. Things are different now. I stopped fighting so intensely the need to understand everything the moment I became aware of its existence. Are you, uh, are you done yet, or...? I guess. Why? Yeah, sorry. Um, somebody said they needed you. Um... Oh, uh, I'll be out in a second. I suppose I don't have much else to say. 
I don't know if the Marvel does something. Right. Um, stay safe. <laughs> That's it. Yes. Hi, I'm Calliope Monroe, creator of Spectral Evidence and Aster Podcasting Network production. If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends and rate and review it wherever you're listening to us. You can find us on our website at spectralevidence.card.co or on social media. We're specevi underscore pod on Twitter and spectralevidencepod on Tumblr. You can also find us on Patreon at Mix Eli Ramos. That's M-X-E-L-I-R-A-M-O-S. You can support Aster Podcasting Network at different tiers and get rewards like early access to episodes, annotated scripts, commentaries, behind-the-scenes posts, art, and even merch. That's not just for Spectral Evidence, but all of the shows on the network. The money you give directly goes to supporting our editor, showrunners, and actors who make these shows possible. So please support us if you have the means. Audio editing done by Eli Ramos. Script editing done by Inigo Shirani. Our voice talents are as follows. Georgia Head as Bertie Aylesworth. Romeo Giovanni as Kip Bailey. Tillian Colon as Jules Aylesworth. Sidonia as Miss April June. Bernard Keir as Benjamin Blair. Blackrock as Silas Valentino, and Julie Hoverson as Mary Garfield. Additional voices were provided by Eli Ramos and Clary Chung. Attributions for sound and music used can be found in the show notes. Thanks to Ezra Lee Buck and Audrey Pham, two $20 patrons on our Patreon. And one last thing. I know that in the past few months that I've had a lot of rough ups and downs in writing, but this episode was like super fun to write and direct, and it's been sitting in my back pocket for so long now, so... It means a lot to me that it's being produced, and I am just so excited. So here it was, just for you. Um, and I put a couple things up on the Patreon already for Spectral Evidence, so if you check that out, that would also mean a lot to me. Hopefully you enjoyed. Thank you again for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>